Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing the U.S. investment-grade market. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined today by Irie Dijam, U.S. investment-grade portfolio manager. Welcome, Irie, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Daniel. Great to be here. It's certainly been an interesting beginning to the year after what was already a pretty interesting 2023. What have we had? I guess on one hand, some of the themes from last year have continued. For example, surprisingly strong U.S. growth. We kind of the view that you had at the beginning of the last year for a recession clearly has not yet materialized. We kind of really wonder if it ever will. And the market's now seemingly much more focused on a soft landing narrative, i.e. that you do get core inflation in the U.S. back to the Fed's 2% target without having to pass through a recession. And actually, I guess the challenge to that view is, you know, what if growth doesn't slow down enough or soon enough? And the reason I mention that, of course, we had recent CPI or the consumer price index data that showed surprisingly strong inflation. So we've had already surprisingly strong growth, maybe not so surprising then that inflation has been a bit stronger as well. And one of the consequences of that higher inflation data is the market's previous assumption that the Fed was going to be able to cut rates five times or even six times this year has reversed a bit. And I think it's worth recalling that the Fed itself said they were only likely to cut three times, the market being much more optimistic than that. And in fact, what we're seeing now is market expectations moving back towards the Fed's view. So that's what's happening on macroeconomic growth and inflation. Of course, the other thing We need to talk about when we think of the U.S. investment grade market, corporate earnings, more or less through the earnings season. My characterization of it would be that was pretty good. And importantly, if you look at earnings surprises, how much earnings came in better or worse than expected, the surprises were quite positive and above average, frankly. So generally, what we see is companies doing better than expected and for the most part, reasonably optimistic about the outlook. So it does seem to be a a pretty good environment. But I think what you're going to talk about, Irie, among other things, is how investment grade bond spreads reflect that perspective. So let's start with Irie, if we could, an over review of what's happened so far in 2024 in the U.S. investment grade market and what you anticipate over the next couple quarters. Sure. The U.S. economy keeps showing its exceptionalism with strong GDP growth and a slowing but resilient labor market. This has led the Fed to push back on its first rate cuts that the market was expecting in March initially, as it fears loosening monetary policy could derail this trend and send inflation back up, which was kind of reinforced with the most recent CPI print, as you pointed out. On the earnings side, U.S. companies have been a mixed bag so far, but overall remain very healthy, with 80% of companies having beat consensus estimates. We got some episodes of weakness, such as the resurgence of fear around commercial real estate and its impacts on banks following the New York Community Bank's earnings. Uh, But overall, this backdrop has been fairly supportive for the asset class so far in 2024. U.S. investment-grade credit spreads returned 0.56% over Treasury so far this year, extending its very strong performance from November and December 2023. On a total return basis, that is including movements in U.S. rates. The performance is negative by 1.57%. 
Going forward, we expect the U.S. investment grade market to remain resilient throughout the year due to first still elevated levels of yield, but also a supportive fundamentals backdrop with the strength in the U.S. economy we just mentioned and healthy corporate balance sheets that we think will be met by strong demand from the investment community. Of course, some risks remain, notably elections throughout the world and geopolitical risks. But we see the U.S. investment grade as relatively insulated compared to other parts of the developed world. Also, we are cognizant of where we are in terms of valuations and the risk to see increased merger and acquisitions and shareholder-friendly operations from corporates in a context of lower yield, which provides a cheaper funding cost to achieve such operation, has risen. This usually means some pressure for bondholders as companies allocate less capital to debt repayments and often fund their shareholder activities with new debts. But our view is that companies' balance sheets are healthier than they used to be in 2019 and managements are more disciplined when it comes to managing their capital. This should help prevent a massive wave of credit downgrades. Credit spreads as a proportion of overall yield is at all-time lows. That suggests investors are not being properly compensated to take credit risk in U.S. investment-grade corporates over treasuries. This, in our view, reflects the very strong sentiment around the asset class in a context of elevated yields and doesn't necessarily mean that credit spreads should materially widen from here and as such underperform. On the supply side, January has been exceptionally strong and February is on track to post another impressive figure as well. This is usually a headwind for credit spreads as new deals come cheaper than existing debts and investors sell existing debt to fund the purchase of the new ones, both elements leading to wider credit spreads and negative performance. But this time around, the strong supply has been met with an even stronger demand, offsetting that weakness I just mentioned. We expect supply for the year to run slightly below last year levels, mainly driven by corporates, while financials and especially banks should run flat versus last year as their refinance maturing debt first and foremost, and then face mounting pressure to increase capital from the regulator. Also, the strong demand for U.S. investment grade can be seen in the healthy flows into the asset class so far this year. So maybe just to quickly conclude on that part, we view the U.S. investment grade as an attractive asset class in 2024, and that's thanks to the healthy fundamental backdrop, strong demand, and elevated yield that provides some cushion in case of weakness. Iria, you talked about how, on one hand, you're anticipating a decent supply on the part of corporates issuing investment-grade debt, but offsetting that, also anticipating good demand. Could you talk a bit more about what drives that demand for the asset class and how you anticipate that evolving in 2024? So historically, demand for U.S. investment-grade credit mainly comes from domestic insurance companies. That includes both life insurers and what we call property and casualty insurers, but also pension funds and foreign investors, particularly from Asia. The latter saw the most rapid expansion over the last 10 years or so, while life insurers saw the largest decrease. Demand from mutual funds, or the more retail part of the market, is rather small compared to the other ones. It's hovering around 18-20% of the overall demand, but have increased over the years as the increased level of yields made the asset class attractive again. After a mixed 2023 from a demand standpoint, the beginning of 2024 has been very supportive with strong inflows into the asset class. We expect demand to remain robust throughout the year in an environment where growth slows down, rates go down, and cash 
becomes a little bit less attractive than credits. So this should help support credit spreads. That demand has been particularly strong in long-duration bonds. That's a combination of low supply, which increases value of such bonds through scarcity in the markets, but also elevated yields and strong incentives from so-called yield-oriented investors to lock in an attractive long-term income. We think that this is likely to stay as long as rates remain elevated, but should turn as monetary policy eases, and that would be to the benefit of shorter bonds around the 10-year and in maturities. On the other side, investors focus on credit spreads rather than yield have started to show some nervousness given the stretched valuation, but it's abundantly clear that elevated rates, contained volatility, and a supportive fundamental backdrop are unlikely to cause spreads to move materially wider in the absence of any major exterior shock. Very good. Let's talk a little bit more then about some detail within the market. We're starting with U.S. investment grade as a whole. Clearly, there's a range across the credit ratings within investment grade. You've got different sectors. We think about how the U.S. economy is evolving. You mentioned commercial real estate as an area of concern. There's also worries that have been raised about consumer demand, particularly as excess savings, the money that people had accumulated with the government support during the pandemic. Maybe as that runs out, you're going to see less support in terms of consumer demand. When you take all that together, what parts of the U.S. investment grade market do you find the most interesting? So in that context, we expect the asset class to remain resilient. Um, Of course, valuations is an important part of the investment equation, but we like sectors that have performed through the cycles or have strengthened from a balance sheet perspective to emerge in a better position now than they were a few years ago. So this includes financials, starting with banks and notably the largest ones in the US and in Europe, but also large US regional banks. In the financial sector still, we also like real estate investment trusts, which still look cheap and allow us to pick the assets we like the most, given the large number of issuers in that sector and that are operating across many different markets. Outside of financials, we think that the highest rated part of the corporate segments doesn't look that attractive from a credits perspective. This is a reflection of investors having moved up in quality through 2023, especially in longer duration bonds. But we still like that part of the markets being mostly defensive and that can provide some downside protection in a scenario where U.S. investment grade is under pressure. Outside of that, we like triple B corporates and especially issuers in sectors which have shown discipline in reducing leverage and increasing cash flows generation, but are still quite cheap versus their higher rated counterparts. These companies should outperform in a context where the economy slows down, but the U.S. do not enter a full-blown recession. We also tend to favor companies more exposed to the U.S. given the strength in the economy we've mentioned so far. And overall, I think increasing the income component of returns rather than depend more on market pricing appreciation makes sense. And we favor recently issued bonds with higher coupons to optimize returns. If I can summarize an area, a couple of your key points, I think the main one is that you are positive on the outlook for the asset class this year, and that's based on a view of still steady U.S. economic growth, so avoiding a recession, so a slowdown, but certainly not a recession. The asset class will remain attractive thanks to the high yields that are still available, even if spreads arguably are a bit tight, and also fundamentally healthy corporate balance sheets. 
On the risk side, you did talk about some worries around commercial real estate and banks. Clearly, we have U.S. elections coming up and geopolitics. But nonetheless, you think the asset class will remain resilient. And particularly to pick up your point on valuations, you did acknowledge that spreads are at all-time lows, but are not expecting them to widen significantly because demand is strong. And again, the fundamentals are good. Final point. On the sectors that you like, perhaps surprisingly, you did like financials and REITs, real estate investment trusts, and also more domestic-oriented or exposed companies, given the strong U.S. growth. Well, Irie, thank you very much for joining me. It's been my pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. I'd like to mention just before we go that the Talking Heads podcast is available on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash bnppam slash playlist and tap or click on Talking Heads. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris and Irie Dujan. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.